episode of Club C47. I am your loyal, loyal host, Sally Dar Griffin. And I am not loyal. Actually, I am. I'm a Hufflepuff. So <laughs> I'm your favorite Hufflepuff, Andrew Van Houston. And we are here today. We're back, baby. Good times. How are you, Andrew? How was is, how is your day today? I, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're both tired. It's been a long week. We're really going to be entering our hell month if we haven't already. Yeah, the next month is going to be pretty busy. Get ready to hear about some exciting... Award seasons. That, oh my god, I can't even talk. Award season is over and now it's... Filming season. Student film season. And then we'll get to post-production season and premiere season. And and then summer. <laughs> and then summer will hit and then you won't see us or hear from us. Well, you probably will, but... No, yeah. You're staying here this summer, right? Yeah, I Okay, good. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a, a fun summer in LA. Hit us up with things to do over the summer. Yeah, hit me up with things to do now because my sister's... Well, we'll I'll talk about that later, but my sister's coming in town and I... Haven't even done anything in this city, so I'm Except a tourist. you claim that this is your city. This is your your city. <laughs> oh, I'm like Mr. 305, but I'm like Mrs. whatever. I don't even know the area code here. <laughs> That's <Nice. bad. laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, anyways. Cool okay. Anyway, so. Um, la- we left you guys on Thursday, which was the day before Valentine's Day. Um, yeah. So, Andrew, how was your Valentine's Day? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sally Dar was my Valentine. Yes. And we went and saw Downhill. We did. Which was fun at the AMC in the marina. And okay, but this theater, it's not just any theater, guys. It was a dine in theater. So you can order food, but it m- most importantly, it has reclining chairs. Yeah, you, you literally are just laying down and you have food in front of you or whatever, and you're just eating and drinking, and it's yeah. very relaxing. There's have even... you been to a theater like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, see, I, you... that was my first time. Oh, so let's talk about that. How was your first experience in that theater? I mean, okay, so there's like two theaters really close by to each other in this marina, and I had gone to the other one, and now I'm strictly only going to the dine-in. After being able to lay down, amazing. Yeah, but my question is, and this is where most people are concerned, does it bother you that people are running around, giving tabs, and... No, I mean, not really, because, I mean, think about, like, when you watch a movie at home with your family, like, the same thing is happening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, I'm just happy to be laying down and have a big screen. If someone has to run by, that's fine. And the nice the nice thing, too, is that you don't have to order food. You can just lay down and yeah. relax and enjoy it. But then if you order food, it's a nice treat. But also, as I found out, it's not the cheapest food yeah <laughs> but it was good right yeah but also when you watch a movie you're always going to be consuming something likely food i mean we sit down and watch tv and we're likely eating true you know that's just how our human brain works so yeah. it's a great way for any movie theater to make profit that's why they sell popcorn before a movie theater yeah what do you think of downhill i thought it was okay yeah i want to see the force majeure which is the european version of the film right which i didn't know it had a european version you told me that yeah and so people are obviously frustrated that it's been quote unquote americanized Mm -hmm. i do feel like it's funny because the character who plays Tormund in game of thrones is in downhill and he's also in the force majeure Mm -hmm. apparently he plays two different characters but i mean it was interesting to see that he was able to agree to go on both of them yeah i don't really know how I feel about how it. How much did you rate it on Letterboxd? Did you rate it? I gave it three stars. Uh-huh. I've debated about giving it a little lower. I, I I thought the writing was okay. I liked Julia Dreyfus and Will Ferrell's chemistry. I just felt maybe it could have been stronger. It felt very slapstick in the wrong ways. I, I don't know. It, 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 what, I, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> It's kind would of you com- tell would you tell people to go see it or would you no, say no no I think there's better well January February March is always like the dry season of films because that's when Oscar season is so people are gonna be paying money to see those films instead of the films mm-hmm. that come out low budget so you think of all the movies that are out right now they're not really doing successful maybe Birds of Prey is but Downhill is not really one that's up there. It had a fine run at Sundance, but it's not like people are running to go see it. Yeah, I feel like the movies that are out right now, people are mostly seeing Birds of Prey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't even think of another. And Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, Maybe but if no. you're into video games. Yeah. It depends on what your type is with movies. Yeah. What, what did you think of Downhill? So, um, I feel like this is like one one area of film where maybe I differ from people or maybe I... I'm similar to some people. I look at movies as, 
I mean, I like movies that make you feel something or make you like think about life. Like I love those movies, but I also love movies that are just a movie. Like they don't have to be like a huge thing. And so like, that's why on Letterboxd, my favorite movies are like, it's complicated. Like that's no one's favorite movie, but I like it just cause it's like, it's what it is. Like it's just, so I really like Downhill because it's just, I don't know. I liked it because I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus also. Like I, she can do no wrong in my eyes. I'm obsessed She's with her. And I also like Will Ferrell. But um, I don't know. I Well, first of all, I think the reason why I liked it was the same reason that we liked 1917. I wasn't expecting to like it so much. And then I actually liked it more than I thought. So that automatically makes me like it more than I would have, if that makes sense. But I don't know. I think, I, I feel like I'm with, it's, it's similar with It's Complicated where it's about like an older couple going through marital or relationship problems. And it's interesting that I am actually, I kind of like those movies and I'm like in my twenties. So I don't know why I'm drawn to those, but I, I don't know. I think I like it. Well, <laughs> I, I don't, I, it's just funny that we go see a movie on Valentine's day that has to deal with a couple's struggle. You yeah. Know? I guess that's why they released it. But yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think I liked it more than I thought because I was expecting it to be more slapstick and that it was actually way more serious than I thought. Like, I did not think it was going to be that serious. I don't know why. What, did you think it was going to be more serious than slapstick? I I really thought it was going to be, yeah, I would agree, more slapstick. I just didn't feel that they did slapstick right if Mm -hmm. they were going to do it. And then the parts that were really serious, it just didn't work because they even tried to add some comedy to it. And I, I just... It just didn't feel... I didn't fall in love with it, you know? Yeah. No, I wasn't, like, in love with it, but I I think I was just, like, pleasantly surprised in some areas because I just wasn't expecting them to go that direction. Yeah, I, I can see I that. I, I, the ending, you and I agreed, was very clever. Yeah, that's... I think that was... pulled it yeah. off. That but the rest... Of, but you have to watch the rest of the movie to get to the ending, you know? Yeah. I also, it made me really want to, so Vinny, who's in one of my classes, is writing a movie that's basically set in, like, the snow. Mm-hmm. And watching Downhill made me really excited for his script, reading his script in class, because I can now, like, fully picture it after seeing Downhill, because it's really beautiful to shoot in the mountains like that. Um, so, I don't know. That's fun, too, to see the set. Yeah, I mean, it makes me want to try skiing again. Yeah, but yeah, we talked about that, because I've never been skiing. Yeah, and I've never been good at skiing, but Will Ferrell and Julia Dreyfus and their stunts make it look very, very yeah, easy. Yeah, they do. Yeah. What did you get? You gave it three and a half on Letterboxd, right? Yeah, I gave it three and a half. Which is pretty solid. I, Letterboxd is interesting, because then I, I feel like every time I rate something, I look at what I've rated other things, and I'm like, did I like it more than this oh, one? Oh, that's the hardest part, yeah. Yeah, and then sometimes I feel like I need to rearrange ratings based on like what if my mindset starts changing about certain things, because it's so easy once you see a movie, you're immediately thinking, oh yeah, that movie's great, but then two weeks from now, you might, you, you like lose that like high after walking out of the movie theater if that makes sense so sometimes i feel like i need to rearrange my ratings but um you need to sit and think about a movie after you've seen it Mm -hmm. for a while and if you keep thinking about it then you know it was a good movie you know the director did a good job because the most important thing according to walter merch and a blink of an eye a book i had to read for class is the emotion that's what people are going there for anyways you could care less about everything else but if you emotionally are connected to the characters connected to the plot that's all that matters. It could be shot on an iPhone and still it wouldn't matter as long as you're emotionally connected. And so me, after that movie, sitting down thinking about, am I connected to the characters? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it much. I watched two other movies that day. And oh, I, wow. I believe... I don't think I knew that. <laughs> oh, I watched Blue Valentine and The Big Sick. Oh, wow. You were really emotional that day. <laughs> <laughs> um. No one needs to know that. Um, okay, because I think my true colors. I rated Birds of Prey three stars, and I like Downhill more than Birds of Prey personally. I mean, I have, you haven't seen that yet. I haven't no. seen so it. I think relative to that, I yeah, I think it's three and a half. And Birds of Prey is three. I also watched All the Boys I Loved Before. And what did you think? I no. I think I rated it three. I think I did. I, I believe I gave it two and a half. I, I believe it, I like downhill better. But see, then I, ha- I have a hard time because something like with all the boys I love before, I'm like, okay, but this is made for 
high schoolers. Like that's the target audience. So think about yeah. it if you were a high schooler. But it felt so much oversaturated. My high school would have never been decked out for Valentine's Day like that. Not. But that's the point, right? Is that yeah. like that's they're trying to make high schoolers feel like that's what their life should be. But it's not. And right. So that's, that's the struggle. Yeah. Is I want it to be realistic. Right. And. She should have left Peter Kavinsky. I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, no, the we're team team John Ambrose. Team John. It used to be name. Edward and Jacob, and now it's Peter versus Ambrose. Can we talk about the controversy with John Ambrose though? What? What? So in the first movie, he's portrayed as someone with very light skin, and then in the newer one, he doesn't have. I don't. I don't haven't his, heard. Of, I mean, I saw the first movie. He. I the, thought he wasn't in the first movie. Yeah, he's like he's like in the in first the, movie. He appears in the credits of the first movie as a white man, and that's he's a person of color in the sequel right okay so I didn't see that because I think I didn't watch the credits but the podcast I listened to they had the best friend of Laura Jean on uh, as a guest on the podcast Mm -hmm. and she was saying that John Ambrose was in the credits in the first one if you didn't see that but I don't think they talked about the fact that it was a different guy no it's a different guy that's some tea it's very some tea and not really smart I mean they should have had the same guy in both yeah, but well, I don't know if they were trying to make a statement with it. I'm really confused what Netflix and to all the boys like. Why the cast change and why did you completely change your look? It's sort of like remember when Lavender Brown and Harry Potter in the first three movies it's a black woman, and uh-huh. in the sixth and seventh movies it's a white woman. Yeah, I wonder if I mean they made the first movie they didn't know that it was going to do that well, and they just had a guy randomly in the credits, and then they were like, oh, we're going to make a sequel, but we're going to recast, and then that guy just wasn't up for the job. Yeah. I don't know. Still. Uh, it's, interesting. It's definitely a TikTok. I saw a TikTok about it. I really? saw a tweet about it. Yeah, it was very oh interesting. Kind of cringe can... because it's just you want all. I, I get if Netflix is trying to increase representation in their content. I support that one hundred percent. But you're making it look like it was forced in that case. Yeah, and that's the frustration. Yeah, like part. it's definitely good that they like were more diverse. But yeah, then it's you, like it's just kind of like it's a weird. It's like a forced yeah, diverse. Yeah, it's like a thing weird thing. Yeah. And I would prefer that if, like they stick to the same thing. Like they should have casted like if you want a person of color, you should cast a person of color throughout the whole film. Yeah, and series. Interesting. Whatever. But regardless, we love John Ambrose. Yeah, we, we're I, team I was John. Team John Ambrose. I mean, he has a double name, so we gotta. Yeah, we gotta. exactly. Sally Dara, John Ambrose. Maybe you should go chase after John Ambrose. <laughs> you know, my letterbox review for this was basically because in the movie, spoiler alert, he says that before he met Laura Jean, people just called him John and that she was the first person to call him John Ambrose mm-hmm. and that he liked it because she basically named him that, which is funny because maybe I should start doing that to random men I meet and maybe they'll fall in love with me. But similar but different, my dad's name is John Mark. Okay. And the reason he started going by John Mark originally in his elementary school, people just called him Mark. That's it. Um, no, no, no. My his my grandmother called him Mark at home. Then in elementary school, there was like three Johns or something. It was a Catholic school, so of course. But um, they it, he got to fifth grade and he was in the same class as like two other Johns. And the teacher was like, "This is insane. Like I'm calling this John like John." S or something this one I'm just calling John and then she called my dad John Mark so then after fifth grade everyone called him John Mark so the teacher gave him the double name which is funny yeah so similar but different I've always been Sally Dar yeah if anyone needed to know gotcha did you watch any other fun Valentine's movies or um I'm trying to think of the most recent things I've seen I watched As Good As It Gets which is a romance movie I watched that a few nights ago and it's older I think it came out in 1997 and it's a weird one it definitely hasn't aged super well um it's strange it's basically Jack Nicholson being an asshole and then you're like, oh, well, he's mean because he has OCD, but like he's way too much of an asshole for that to justify him being such an asshole. Okay. It's like very strange. Um, I yeah. probably won't check it out then. No, I don't, I don't. It's interesting. I don't even know where I picked to watch it. I think it's just one of those movies I've always heard of and like just seen around and I have just never seen it. And I was just like, yeah, I've just think that I should see this movie because I've always heard about it and I didn't even know what it was about when I started watching it honestly like I just knew what the movie poster looked like so I started watching it and it's yeah it's interesting it's interesting okay yeah you 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 tend to tweet though all the time when you watch a movie you're like hey guys blank was good yeah even if it wasn't good but I believe with this one you said hey guys 
as good as it gets is. And then you added like three Just a quest, bunch of question marks. A bunch of question marks. Yeah. Which is a mood. Most of the time I just say something was good or something was... I don't, I don't really say things are bad. I say no, like something... I don't think you've ever said something's bad. No, I say most things are good or I think maybe I've said something is like meh, maybe. But for as good as it gets, like I didn't feel... It didn't feel right to call it good because it just is so... It just hasn't aged very well. And so I'm just like, I don't understand. Worst. Like question mark, question mark. Like I'm so confused. Um, you have like the little question mark comes up in your head. Yeah, it was just, it was strange. Um, Speaking of question marks, this is completely random. Okay, I'm scared. <laughs> Nintendo released their announcements for the new Animal Crossing today. Oh, wait, didn't it come out with a new Switch? Did I see something about so that? there's an Animal Crossing Switch that okay. comes out next month, uh-huh. less than a month. And so it was talking about the whole new platform of what Animal Crossing wait, is. Wait, so how is it going to change? Because I so loved Animal Crossing. Ta- I have a Switch, so I'm definitely <laughs> buying it. You will not see me. They're all the Phillips heads. I'll be playing Animal Crossing. And so you're on a private island, and that's that's what you're where you live. Uh huh. Oh so my god. It, it, Animal Crossing before you would be able to like get the boats to the island. Now you're on the island. Uh huh. And basically, you get to build the island. So if you want to create, you know how sometimes there's like the hills that are really annoying, and you have to like go all the way around to like go down the hill. I don't even know. Okay, okay I played Animal Crossing on my DS. Okay, that's so it. So basically, you can create hills, you can create your own sidewalks and paveways. Uh-huh. When you hang up furniture on your walls, you're able to like put it in certain parts of your wall, so you can have it really low to the wall, really high to the wall. Uh-huh. The museum looks gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This is like a review of like I like the museum yeah. is. Gorgeous. You're also now allowed to have facial hair your characters oh yeah game they all changer. looked the same and you know what crossing before everyone just looked the same yeah it was very annoying and then yeah I, I, you just live on your own island now and interact with the villagers amazing and... i might have to get in i see i think about this anytime anybody brings up nintendo switches i'm always thinking i should buy one but i, I, I feel the same way yeah and it's like it's really hard to just, you know, take the leap. I think we gave my brother a Switch for his birthday, and but he's, like, such a video game guy. Yeah. Um, Animal Crossing, so when I played Animal Crossing younger, it was, like, the DS, and yeah. you, would, you would connect to each other's DSs uh-huh. and go to their None towns. of my friends played Animal Crossing. Wow, they're lame. Yeah, I know. Everybody was only, like, Nintendogs and Mario Kart, and I was like, I where know. are my Animal Crossing oh, people? Um, and the funny thing about this is, like, Animal Crossing was supposed to come out last year. Uh-huh. And when they released the direct in June, they made the announcement that it wasn't going to come out till next March. And everyone lost it because uh-huh. everyone expected it to come out last year. So there's a lot of hype going into this Animal Crossing. So when I saw the whole direct thing this morning, I was very excited because I'm really considering buying it. Cause... So here's my question. Because I, I remember when I was younger and I was more in tune with video games. Like, when a video game would come out, maybe if it was the new Madden or the new Zelda, whatever, people would either wait in line or reserve it, or people mm-hmm. would be out the door at GameStop. Oh, yes. Does that still happen, or does it not because of Amazon I don't stuff? think so. But I'm, like, pre-ordering, too. Yeah. You know, I don't really think so. Because, I don't feel like it does either. Well, or it might be just, like, I'm older now, so I haven't experienced it. I mean... I guess kids still go buy it in person, but... Yeah. Well, I remember buying Mario Kart Wii at midnight. I had my dad take me to Walmart, and we were first in line to get Mario Kart Wii at midnight. And it was with the Wii wheel, too. Oh, game changer. And then I remember when the Wii came out, people lined. It was like Black Friday, everyone lined out the door. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like it probably does too. Because I'm thinking about in terms of music. So, for instance, when this is like going to be super strange that I'm about to say this, but the Jonas Brothers, whenever they have released a new album, like back in like early two or late 2000s, they they had a tradition to go to, um, like they would always go to, I forget the name, like this record store in uh, Times Square or something. And so they still do, like when they came out with their new album, like they still did that. So, like, people still definitely like the experience of going somewhere at midnight or, like, yeah. going to a midnight showing of a movie. Like, people yeah. still like that. But that never happens anymore. But, like, most people don't. It I don't know. Happen. Well, movies is because of all the well, yeah. controversy. Or not really, but, like, what happened in Aurora when The Dark Knight came out. Yeah. Well, I'm also thinking, so if a movie, when maybe we'll get here someday, like, when a movie is released at midnight in a movie theater, if it's also released on your TV, what do you think people would do? Do you think people would prefer to go to the midnight screening well, or would they stay at home? Well, that's that's the question of what do you prefer your experience? If you want to be immersed in an environment where you're not distracted by cell phones and other people, yeah. you'd likely want to go to the movie theater 
But if it comes out at midnight here and you're with your friends and you don't want to move and you're lazy, yeah. Yeah. Stay here. I mean, I like being lazy in my pajamas and being able to watch it here. But the best viewing experience you can ever get is if you're alone in a movie theater. Yeah. And so I believe you should take every opportunity you can with that you know yeah and that's why we promote amc stubs yeah well i do wish movies came out at midnight again that was such a yeah it is i mean it's it's obviously like safety reasons but it's also sad well now they come out at 6 p.m the day before yeah where if you were before with harry potter's i wouldn't i yeah i went to a midnight harry potter i went to two midnight harry potter ones and then i remember like someone would see it at 6 p.m and be like oh my god i just saw it so good i i I waited till midnight because luckily they still had midnight showings then yeah and ah those were so much fun. Yeah. It's also you definitely it with a group of people. That's what I was about to say. It's like definitely part of like stand culture. So I think if the more invested you are in the community around a franchise, then the more likely you are to go to buy a game at midnight or go to a movie at midnight because yeah. you want to be in person for the hype. Yeah. But if you're like just a distant fan then you probably wouldn't yeah then you'd be here sitting yeah hoping that it would come out at midnight or whatever yeah or ordering it online it is fun to go to midnight showings it just experiences have changed so much yeah and we've had to learn to adapt to them which is kind of sad because i really like the old school way and i understand why things change we get older amazon comes out safety reasons whatever the heck mm-hmm. it is but I just, I don't know. Now, now you bring that up and I'm... I know. Okay, this okay. is a similar but a little bit different topic that my teacher brought up in class the other day was that he read somewhere that malls are actually coming back. For the longest time, people thought malls were dead. Like teenagers oh. didn't really go to the malls anymore and now with like Amazon and they just were on their phones a lot. But what they're finding with Gen Z now is that malls are actually like, I feel like for millennial or at least our age group, I didn't hang out at the mall with my friends, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of younger Gen Zers, like the ones that are just now starting high school, supposedly they're going to malls. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. I don't know why, but malls are coming back. I, I, are they? I guess <laughs> that's what my teacher said. I guess said. that's I don't know. a place to escape. People just shop too much, apparently. I don't know. Well, you know what? This was my argument. I didn't say it out loud, but I think when technology came about, people's first instinct was to stay at home, stay on their phone, stay on the computer. But now I think with like the definite rise of social media, people were attached to their phones. But now, because people like want to show off their lives, they have to leave their house with their phone to show people that they're living their life. So it's, yeah, we're going to go to the mall so we can post on social media. So we can prove that, hey, we're doing something. Right. So I, before Twitter, Instagram, people were that's just annoying. on their phones because they couldn't post their experiences anywhere. Yeah. So that's my that's why I think malls are coming back is because kids want to leave their house to show off. <laughs> I feel like there's so many other places you can go though. I don't know. I don't know. We've yeah. I don't. Remember. Interesting. When's the last time you've been to a mall? To uh, like hang out with your friends. Oh, I never hung out at the never. mall with my friends. I go to the malls like I go to the Target one in Culver City. Yeah, I went on Valentine's Day to get my eyes checked after the oh, movie. Oh <laughs> yes. What do your eyes look like for anyone who's? listening in my eyes are hazel and my corneas are scratched <laughs> that's the tea if anyone wants to know i think we should just end this episode right, <laughs> right um don't now. worry though i'll be back in contact soon enough hopefully Yay. um so what what else is so, new so you, you know what you told me is that trump talks shit about parasite today i know trump ugh, i don't even want to get on that i know well all we're saying is that the president doesn't respect Parasite. And that's really... My mom respects Parasite. Everyone so. should respect Parasite. Oh, Sally Dar just tweeted 26 minutes ago about Parasite right when I brought it Yeah, out. you can tweet it. Yeah. I well, mean, I, read it. I just, Sorry. I, I read it and liked it. Trump can just shut the fuck up. It's just Sorry, like... Sorry, I don't want to get too much into politics, but it's just... Oh my God. Hey, Trump, maybe you should just... Oh my God. Neon, the company that created Parasite, uh-huh. he said, they tweeted, understandable, he can't read... Oh, that's funny. Oh my God, savage. Yikes. That's funny. Yeah, so if you didn't think the president was horrible enough, he just dissed Parasite. Obama so. loved it. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that was on Obama's. He was on his list. Obama's list. Yeah, because we he's a man of taste. Yeah, we, we respect <laughs> a man of taste. Now, yeah. move on to something else. So, I was going to talk a little bit about casting because uh-huh. that's the phase I'm in right now for my film and so and then we're going to talk about any important meetings Sally Dars had mm-hmm. but I did some casting this weekend for a film I'm producing and 
it's really hard to cast individuals. That's all I'm going to say. And it's especially harder if the director is specific on age, person, like color, gender, sexuality. Some people want to be as realistic as possible, which I 100% support. It's hard because there's so many people out there and yet everyone is on a busy schedule. You have people who are hungry to like get the foot in the door mm-hmm. but then a lot of them just back out of auditions right before they'll email me like an hour before and be like hi i'm sorry i'm not coming and that to me is frustrating because i want to see people committed and i want to give my directors as many people as they can to choose from yeah and that's so frustrating about casting but the good thing about casting is you are seeing a lot of cool people and hopefully you are getting at least if not one three good options of people you can consider to cast. And so this past weekend, we had about 10 people come in to audition. About 20 of them said they were going to. So when you when you do auditions, and I've heard this a lot, make plan for at least half the people to not show up, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate. But What did you end up doing for the time slots? How long were the time so slots? We did, 10, we did 12 to 6. So we had six hours planned, which was... We and we got to end a little early, but you know, so and we had a little over a fifty percent rate, mm-hmm. so that was good. But, I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm doing mine on Monday, and it's going to be from one thirty. No, it's from one to four, and then seven thirty to ten. And so right now I have about twenty people coming in, so I'm expecting ten of them to show up. Hopefully yeah. more. They seem interested, but I, I the thing about LA casting is. Like I said, or backstage, it's just you. You don't know who you're gonna get. You don't know who's gonna be interested. You don't know what they're like. Mm-hmm. It could be someone completely out of the ordinary, but you could also get something incredible, like a little hidden gem. Yeah. Well, so I did casting for a thesis in December, and I'm sure I talked about it way back then. But one thing that is the worst about casting, and because okay, this is gonna sound horrible, but I'm gonna justify it at the end. <laughs> So, like, when someone walks in and as soon as they walk in, like, you just know that they're not right for the part. Like, sometimes you just know. Like, there's just a vibe they give off or, like, as soon as they start reading, like, you just yeah. know that they're not right for the part. And it's it's not, like, because they're necessarily bad. It's just, like, this – it's just not you, a fit. You're, you're looking for specific people, especially yeah. a director who has a vision in their head. And so, for me, I'm always wanting to keep that vision open. But a lot of directors I'm known to work with – know who they want and they also get into the problem where if they see someone they like they kind of become attached to them where they mm-hmm. don't want to let them go so yeah. they don't keep an open mind yeah that yeah that's bad too but i just hate when someone walks in and you just like know immediately that their just vibe is off but then you still have to let them audition and it's yeah. like then you feel shitty because you're like oh i'm sitting here listening to this audition and i don't want to hear it and then i'm like damn i'm a horrible person yeah and it's like, yeah, give them a chance. They might still surprise you. Yeah, you, always, you just know sometimes. You're going to cast the people who surprise you and do you well. Mm-hmm. The good thing about casting, though, is maybe you see someone you like that you would use in a future project. Yeah, Just not true. the project right now. True. You know? And so that's the interesting thing about casting. So I've done two already. I have two more, including my own. So good vibes, hopefully, going into it. Yeah. I'm very excited, so... Um, who who read the lines over the weekend and who's reading the line, like reading with the actor, or are they just only doing the sides themselves? So, well, I was on one where they had a monologue created, and mm-hmm. then I read sides for the one I did this weekend with Henry Etta being the director, and then my producer Nura is gonna read sides with me on Monday, as well as my UPM Kevin, who's gonna be there as well. And so we're going to be taking turns reading the sides. Fine. Yeah, and so I have like a chess board planned out because Uh mine has to do with chess. And I I let all my actors know like, hey, there's going to be a board there. It's okay if you don't know how to play, but at least pretend like you do. Just play like checkers. Convince me that you know how to play. Yeah. And so that's going to be fun. I'm gonna probably that's an act, that's a testament to their acting, like really for sure. Like if yeah. they don't know how to play chess and you're convinced. Yeah. I want <laughs> and, and and so a lot of the things we're learning in my 550 class is how do you host auditions? What do you want them to do? And so we were given a lot of action verbs to think about, and like these are the actions we want to see from these actors, and that's what I'm gonna be very looking for when I do my casting. And every director is different. Everyone, every producer is different. Everyone's gonna have different ways of how they want auditions to go, and. 
Self tapes, man, those are kind of crazy too. Self tapes are hilarious, They're, but I'm also like so impressed that people do it. Like, and thankful because it makes yeah, things easier it's, sometimes. It's, it's nice, but also I prefer seeing them physically yeah, in, in per- person. Yeah, in person because it's so much to do with your personality. And this is like a life motto too is that I always think about like getting jobs or opportunities. In my mind, I know if someone meets me then they're going to like me so much more than if they saw me on paper. Yeah. And because that's just the kind of person I am. Like on paper, I seem like maybe I'm not that interesting, but you meet me and I'll make you want me. So I think it's yeah. it's always better to meet people in person, especially the, for directors. And the annoying thing about casting is it's basically like a Tinder profile. When True. you first start off, you are really basing it off their looks. Uh-huh what their resume says and that's just the sad reality of how hollywood works and you and i experience that too even when people see us for the first time we're always being judged and now for me it's hard because i have to judge the people i am seeing that submit because i can't audition all of them yeah that's the hardest part so now i have to be what makes them special and so i look for certain criteria of course but it's just i don't know fun it's fun but it's also it's, it's, i know it's, i actually don't very, like casting casting's like my least favorite very, part i like casting because you get to bring them to life it's like you have these characters oh, see, i don't here, like it here you go so what are you gonna do when you have to cast your film no like i mean i'll do it but i just like well for one i think casting is difficult because it's very hard to convince someone to be invested in a project that they don't know anything about like yeah. initially so it's like how do you convince this stranger to care as much about it as you want them to, which mm-hmm. I, I just think that's hard. I think it's also on me. Sometimes I feel like I'm burdening them or like I'm, you know, interrupting their, like, I don't know. So yeah. I feel guilty in a weird way, but I think like once I get over it and they get them on set and like see that they're excited, then I'm like fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what happened with my film last semester. I just like felt like I, like bad that I was making these these strangers do it. And it's like, they're choosing to do it. I don't know why I feel like that. Well, they want to get out there. Yeah. And that's honestly what it is. And that's why when you finally see that they're excited or they say like, no, I like it and I'm excited to do it. And then you see them actually doing it on set and you're like, oh, like I can stop feeling guilty for this nonsensical reason. But yeah, I think that's why I don't like yeah. casting is because I just feel guilty. Yeah. I don't know. I think when you cast a person, you need to cast someone that asks questions and is interested in the role because mm-hmm. if they're interested in the role, they're interested in doing the best job they can for you as the director. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it. And that's yeah. what I've been taught a lot too. Yeah. And so going forward, I really hope that people are interested in it. I've had a few emails where people ask me about it and as a director, I don't mind it because it lets me answer the questions and give them a little context. So then when they do come in for the audition, they, they are, no, I wouldn't say wasting time, but they know how to value the time that they have. Yeah. And they know it a little bit in advance. I don't want to give too much away because I'm looking for more expression. But, you know, when people say they're interested in a role or at least asking questions, I, I don't care if you're doing it to try to kiss my ass. I care that you're at least interested in being engaged with the character. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. I also like when they ask questions that you didn't even think about. And they're like, and oh, they is do. the character want to do like is the character doing this because they don't like their mom for this reason and i'm like i haven't thought about that but, but you have to think of something on the spot yeah because, and you're like um yeah maybe yeah. and yeah well actors <laughs> are always taught that directors don't know what they're doing and so <laughs> and they might be correct they might be correct but you really do need to have answers and that's what i'm nervous about is my script is very vague as it is so people are asking questions and honestly I have to make up a good answer on the spot. Yeah. The I mean, disclaimer, I am planning on preparing before these auditions and I've been preparing a lot, but just I'm talking about past experiences and disclaimer. Yeah. And yeah, you know. Well, it's funny that they're taught that directors don't know what they're doing, but I think it's from their perspective, directors might not know what they're doing because we're like well, depending on if you wrote it, directed, you're more invested in the overall story, whereas they're more invested in that specific character's experience. Yeah. And so from a direct, like if there's five characters, you know, I care about your character, but I care about the interactions between all the characters, mm-hmm. where they're going, where they've been. I don't care about how you feel about breakfast this morning, like at this dinner, at this breakfast scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's like, you think that we don't know what we're doing, but in reality, we just don't care about your emotions in this exact moment necessarily mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> which is funny it's a very interesting topic yeah it is funny another interesting topic oh, is yes. i was watching this youtube video the other day 
And then the next day I had some reading for class. And so the reading and the YouTube video, both of them were about how to go about writing a script. And so the video I was watching was an interview with Greta Gerwig about how she wrote Little Women. And the interviewer was asking about how she writes pages or if she plans out the entire movie before starting to write pages or just how she approaches it. And so Greta Gerwig was saying that there's no faster way to kill an idea than to make an outline and then start writing. She just says that she starts writing and that turning out pages is easy and then she'll fit them into the confines as needed. Then the reading I did the next day for class was basically like, in, inexperienced writers will not use an outline. I'm like, okay, well, Greta Gerwig is definitely experienced. But I mean, then I was thinking maybe inexperienced and really experienced people don't use an outline. But I don't know, I think it's an interesting topic. Like how do you go about writing a script? Well, I've been taught so many different ways to do it too. And that's one of the things that frustrates me about this industry is everyone has a different definition on how to write a script and how to make it good. Right now in my screenwriting class, we are, we're being taught to work on our beats, have character outlines, have ideas, and then we technically aren't writing our scripts till the end of the semester. So we're spending all this time preparing and so our teacher, professor, is hoping that once we have the pen in our hand, that it should be very easy for us to write it because we thought so much about everything beforehand. I've never really thought of it that way. I'm more of a person who thinks of an idea, writes a little brainstorms, and then just starts typing because I know I have something in my head. I, I have a, a little idea of where I want to go. And then sometimes I'll just write a scene. And then I'll grow from that scene to something else. So a little different than how... I've seen it again everything everyone else is different my producing professor even today was talking about how he feels that you do a lot of preparation beforehand and then he has what's called a three-week rule and that is when you start writing your your script your feature so about five pages a day for three weeks or however long it is and you if you can't finish it within the three weeks then you might as well kill it because obviously you you did, you weren't passionate about it at the time and you, you really you, your ideas start to fade away after three weeks mm -hmm. is the way he views it and yeah. so I like that rule honestly like that's a good rule I, to think, go I like that rule a lot too because it gives me time to plan have ideas of where I want to go and then just crank it down and mm -hmm. then not really think about it maybe have a beer in my hand maybe sit on my couch and just write have some music on write I, I like that idea a lot mm -hmm. I don't know what do, you, what do you think so I've been writing a lot this semester my semester is very writing heavy I'm writing a feature and I'm writing a comedy pilot and so for both of those classes we have spent the several first few weeks um just planning and planning and planning and I just started writing my first few pages for feature haven't even started writing my comedy that's my homework this week but some people aren't writing their comedy pilot yet yeah so it's so much planning before we start writing and that's obviously what LMU is teaching us and I don't disagree with it but it is it's helpful on one hand because if I had started writing my feature week one it would it'd be the same essence but it would have a different way I went about it so on one hand I'm happy that I planned a little bit but then on the other hand, you know, there's scenes that are still in it that I've known from the beginning, I am going to write this scene. I will write this scene of this girl doing this one thing, and I just know that. So on one hand, I think it's great to plan it out, but if there's one scene that you see so clearly, then you should write that scene and mm -hmm. then like keep working on the structure. And even if you don't add that scene into the end, at least you're writing and getting any experiences and True. know what you want. Yeah, so... I don't know. It's like on one like we've done structure so much and outlined it that now the writing part seems easy. I know it's not, but it seems like, oh, I've thought about it so much. Now I just have to fill in the gaps with pages, which it's not that easy, but it seems like it. So I don't know. I I think I think it's good to outline it as much as possible, but in between the outlining, I think if you want to you should write a scene if you see it so clearly. Yeah. So, I think it's a little bit of both. We're being taught in our short film screenwriting classes to just kill all the ideas you have because with great writing comes great sacrifices. And so if you picture that perfect scene, chances are it might not even end up in the major cut, so you yeah. might well cut it, you know? And so it's funny because I I'm the same way where if I think I know a scene really well, I want to write it. But now I'm being taught, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should take a different approach. 
But no one, no one can stop me from what I do. Yeah. No one can stop anyone from what they do. Well, see, yeah, I like agree with, I, I don't, I don't, because I, I think, you know, if I have a, a scene that I want to put in my feature and let's say it's like someone going up to a bar getting a drink, like that's not in my feature. But like, let's say that's what it is. And I see it so clearly how they go up to bar, how they order the drink, what kind of drink they order, like the people around them at the bar, yeah. you know, I can write that scene. It might not be in my feature. That doesn't mean that I can't use it somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. You know, I could write what I did this morning in a format of a script. Yeah. And like, that doesn't mean I'm writing a movie about how my day went today, exactly. but I have a girl that woke up and made coffee written, you know, yeah. and I can use it in any screenplay ever if I want to. So mm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. It's, it's just writing. Writing process is interesting, and just how people teach it too is very unique. I'd say where it's one way or another way or your way or who cares which way you do it. Yeah, and it's frustrating because I want to know the answer, but I'm not going to know what the answer is. Yeah. Probably for the rest of my life, you know. Because I, like, I don't think there is one. You just if you're you, a good writer, you're a good writer, and you, that's what it is. You do it how you want to do it. Yeah. Speaking of writing and going on to fun homework assignments, I am given a homework assignment to oral do an oral pitch next week. Mm-hmm. So basically, I have to give an elevator pitch of my film making in the fall to a group of fifteen people, and then we vote on which one is the best. So you said that you rank the I people think it's in your class. Or voting, it's one of those. Okay, but ranking is way scarier. I. I Either or, he said that he said that everyone's basically grading your own, and okay. so I see that as a rank sort of way, and I can see him doing that, and that's how it works in the way of you want to make sure your stand your pitch stands out from the rest. I hate competition, so I'm not looking forward to it. Uh-huh. I can kind of see why it's happening, but whatever. So Sally Dar, give me your advice on how to give a good pitch. I want to he- I want to hear your advice. Okay, so pitching. Not to toot my own horn. It's something that I think I'm pretty good at because I think with people that come, like our writers come up with stories, there are some kind of writers that want to write alone. They might be more shy shy or quiet. But I think me, I want to go into comedy writing, which is obviously very collaborative. I want to work in a room with a lot of people. I am very outgoing. I am very loud. So I think pitching is more where I shine because I'm not afraid to talk. I'm not afraid to like be a little... Like it's it's a... When it, what it comes down to, pitching is a show. They want you to go up there and perform, but they also want you to know what you're talking about. They want you to care about what it is. But at the end of the day, it's a performance. So, Because you're up on stage. It's like giving a speech. You need yeah. to be entertaining. So I, pitching, we talked about this a few episodes ago. That weekend that we had that pitch fest, me and my partner had no clue what we were pitching yeah. when going into that meeting. I bullshitted the whole thing. And like, we were fine. So it's like, I can go up there and pitch and I'll be fine. I don't know. I think the most important thing in a pitch is to treat it like you're entertaining them because people want to be entertained. Yeah. So you go up there and you present it like, I have a story for you that combines Grease, the movie, with 1917. Hear me out. Hear me out. It is a war musical. And I know what you're thinking. That sounds crazy. But let me tell you why it's going to work. And you like you frame it yeah. in a way that like they're like, what is going on? Like you just, yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's entertaining as yeah. long as you know what you're talking yeah. about and stuff. So is we're allowed too. three minutes, and basically he wants a log line. He wants why we're into the story, and he wants like the idea of how much it's gonna be. Basically, anything else we should know. So should we practice our pitching? Right oh my now? god, yeah, sure. But to, to end <laughs> the podcast, so I'm gonna give you a random job. Uh, we don't I'm scared. Okay, and what what else do you want? Like, let me give let me give you something like um, a name, a conflict. Just know. just give me. You can give. I don't know. You can give me anything. Give me a title of something. I can come up with something. Or give um, me. A, I don't know. Okay, so we're gonna give you. I'm gonna have you pitch me a story that has to do with <laughs> a school crossing warden. A school crossing warden? Like who, oh, like the guy at the crosswalk. Yeah. Okay. And the following animal. Oh my god. Um, a beaver. <laughs> we bought a zoo. <laughs> Isn't that a movie? Okay. okay, so a beaver, a school crossing warden, and a woman needs to be in it. So a man um, and a woman relationship. Or you can make the woman the school crossing warden. 
Okay, so I'm going to... Okay, School Crossing Warden, Beaver, and a random woman. Yeah, a random woman. Okay, I got it. It's, it might not be a good movie, but I got it. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. So I have a movie for you today that is going to knock your socks off. God, I already stumbled. And it is about a school crossing warden. His name is Joe. He works at Bright School Elementary every day from 8 a.m. to, 5, to 3 p.m., sometimes till 5 p.m., depending on extracurriculars that are going on that day. And the mascot of the Bright School Elementary is a beaver. I know what you're thinking. This is weird. Like, what, what does this man have to do with a beaver? Well, at this school, they actually have a real beaver living in the school. They take care of it. The kids feed it. The nurses feed it. Sometimes the kids take it home. Weird? Yeah, maybe. But we've all been to a school where you get to take home a bunny on the weekends or whatever. So one weekend, no one's available to take home the beaver. And who are they going to ask? They ask the school crossing warden for some reason. No one else is up to the job. He agrees to do it. Why not? It's just a weekend. It'll be fine. So the woman that's in charge of handing off the beaver to the various students, faculty, staff, it's the nurse. It's where the beaver is kept in the nurse's office. So after school, the warden goes to the nurse's office to pick up the beaver. He's like, hey, Stacy, I'm here to get the beaver. What ensues? A classic rom-com. He takes home the beaver, has questions about how to feed it. You know, he's trying to figure out how to take care of it. He confines in Stacy about how to take care of it. And a romance blossoms between the school nurse and the school crossing warden via this beaver. The name of the movie? Beaver. Beaver. Beaver Street. I don't know. <laughs> beaver Street. Beaver. Beaver Crossing is beaver the name crossing. of the movie. And it's a rom-com you don't want to miss this where, season. Where would, you, would it be on Netflix? Would it be... Yeah, it's streaming on Netflix. What's the budget? Um, it's it's about a, a million dollars. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. There Good you go. Job. That's my pitch. Good job. <laughs> I don't even know. I'd give it an A minus. Thank Maybe you. A. Thank a. you. <laughs> that was fun. Um, do you want to go? I don't know. Do you want to give me some? <laughs> do you want to give okay, me some? Okay, I don't know if I can think of people like you just thought of. Um, well, I just used the generator on here. Okay, wait. Oh, I just thought of something in my mind. Oh, we didn't do wait, it. Wait, okay. We also have that What the Film game, which True. is fun. That is a fun way to pitch. Okay. So I'm just going to give you three things like you gave me. Okay, one is a... Um, it's like a... Uh, it, this isn't like a person or an object really it's like a you know you know when you go to restaurants they're like food eating challenges yes so the the object i guess would be a giant steak like a giant steak that someone has to eat i don't know how many pounds maybe like six pounds or something so a giant steak um a tourist a tourist a tourist like maybe a girl that's touring some kind of place and a babysitter dealing with a lot of children okay the tourist can be whatever gender you want so can the babysitter but i feel like babysitters tend to be girls i've got a bizarre thing okay go for it so when i went to college i didn't join a fraternity of some sorts and i am perfectly okay with that decision but we all know that fraternities have those weird hazing stories that we've heard of all the time so my pitch for you is a short film about a girl going on a college tour. So she's a tourist mm-hmm. and she stumbles across the fraternity house, which will be named unnamed. And when she opens it, she finds a babysitter who um, has all these wild frat boys eating this raw steak as punishment because they're being hazed by the babysitter. So they like enlisted the babysitter to like control the hazing? Yes. <laughs> That's, That's it. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> and it would be a short film on Hulu and enjoy it. So then it's the idea of, hey, maybe colleges are being controlled for the wrong reasons. Let's look into that and investigate. So it might be a controversial piece. Yeah, I also see like a cameo from maybe like Guy Fury in there. Yeah, yeah. or na- the neighbors. Seth is it Seth Rogen and e- Zach Efron yeah. or whoever it is. Adam <laughs> Devine. Yeah, some weird shit like that. Love it, love it. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad you supported that. Fun. I, I, um, I, 
Speaking of pitching, uh, you don't have to go to the, the, this weekend, but I have to go to it. There's this thing called Pitch Fever that I need to go to. Ooh. I don't know what's happening there. Tell me what you learned. I, yeah, we don't have to prepare anything. I think it's just a guy talking about pitching or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's hard. And so, and like my idea right now has to do with uh, my actual idea for this film has to do with uh, Pizza Boy and his grandpa. And then the Pizza Boy is a musician. Mm-hmm. So. That's what I'll leave tease right now. We're actually almost running out of time. And I'm well hopefully I'll have a better verbal pitch come next week and hopefully I'll be ranked well well enough to get a decent grade in it, of course, but also well enough that I learned something out of it in game. I think you'll be fine. I think what's interesting with pitching is that writers stare like I said before, they tend to be like quieter and shy and it's like how do you expect writers to get up there and talk like you know but it's also like that elevator pitch you never know who you're walking next to and you need to have something prepared yeah so it's like everybody needs to know how to do it everyone needs to know what their story is inside and out yeah i don't understand how it works well this podcast helps with pitching it helps us talk yeah we had a fun that was a funny round that is a funny we should do that again yeah we should do it what the film is the game we played where you get like 40 seconds to create a pitch and it's really fun and i remember it was energetic and engaging so yeah maybe in the future we'll play that while we do this podcast yeah we could also do it if we name like two actors and like you have to put them in a scenario that'd be fun we have yeah we We have have plenty of cards yeah we should do that scenarios maybe next week stay tuned yeah we'll see how it goes um well now is the part where we drop our social medias or tell y'all what to do this week i'm sally dar griffin on all social medias basically except twitter and letterbox and just sally dar um go follow her youtube oh yeah and youtube i care more about youtube than tiktok these days so that's the tea let's look at the old podcast episodes where sally dar was talking about tiktok every honestly it'd be really fun to go back and listen to because i remember i we started this when i had like under ten thousand followers so it'd actually be interesting to see what i was saying back then yeah but yeah i care more about youtube these days i go back and forth but right now i'm into youtube that's the tea you don't need my social media just tell your family you love them or some sweet thing like you make me seem like an asshole every time yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) you can tell me what me and my sister should do this weekend yeah actually that's the real scoop we need to know what sally dar should do with her sister this weekend so yeah. please hit her up we know you're listening we know there's more than five followers out there and so thank you all so much yeah thank listening. you to anyone that's listening makes it this far it's yeah. really appreciated yep. all right we will see you next week thank you all for listening bye